The following is a hoop ball presentation. series that is tied 2-2. In fact, we have two series that are tied 2-2. We, we got to start with, to me, what was the, the more exciting um, matchup, which, let's be real, it wasn't like there was a whole bunch of that yesterday, but let's just get to it. The Hawks held out over the 76ers 103-100. to In the game, honestly, I, I didn't see happening the way that it did. I, I really... Thought the Sixers were going to take control and hold serve. Um, but a big thing was a factor in this game. And that was honestly the health of Joel Embiid. He did play 36 minutes, but he was kind of laboring. Uh, fatigue, I thought, was more of an issue. Uh, whether or not, you know, that meniscus was giving him problems or or, or, or something to that effect. In my mind, I guess it yet to be determined. But he played 36 big minutes and shot 20% from the field. Yeah. 20% from the field, 25% from three. I mean, all eight of his free throws, so he had that. And had 21 boards, so he had that. But 17 points, 21 boards, but on 4 of 20 shooting. And 1 of 4 from 3. Who really picked up the slack when Joel Embiid suffered the way he did? Well, you look at guys like Seth Curry. at 17 points on 70% shooting. Uh, 2 rebounds, 3 assists. You look at guys like Tobias Harris, who had 20 points and 5 rebounds on 8 of 15 shooting. And Furkan Korkamaz got the start for Danny Green. Remember, he has that strained calf. And he scored 10 points. Knocked down two threes. Uh, ben Simmons, for his part, 11 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists. Just a Ben Simmons type of game. But for the Hawks, I mean, for one, Trey Young still just having a, a rough series when he has to be, um, since he's been guarded by Ben Simmons. He shot 8 of 26 from the field himself, which, come on now, 3 of 11 from 3. For real? 25 points and 18 assists, so the numbers are good, just like Joel Embiid. The numbers look okay if you look at just the big boxy scores, the big boxy box scores. But if you look at the numbers and dive in, watch the game, really. You can see that both had problems. 30% from the field, 27% from three, that was Trey Young's night. Uh, Bogdan Badanovic did, did, you know, just a little bit better. 9-24 from the field, 4-13 from three. But ultimately, you had a strong performance by other guys on the team that, that made up this, this nucleus. Lou Williams off the bench with 9 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, Kevin Herter had 10 points. John Collins had 14 points on 6 of 15. Clint Capella, 12 points and 13 rebounds. I didn't say this game was pretty. Okay, This game was not pretty at all. It, it just wasn't. Um, but the Hawks did what they had to do. They got a win at the A, and they tied this bad boy up. That was that was the point. 
Okay. Um, and, you know, the rally that the Hawks ended up going on was what really made this, with made all the difference. Young didn't have a great shooting night, and he had an even colder start. But ultimately, he did make the floater that gave Atlanta the lead with just over a minute remaining. Um, you know, Young's shoulder was giving him some problems, so he had that taped up, and um, I, I, I guess you could say that's part of the reason why he didn't look as good as he normally did. But over the last couple of games, with Simmons on him, he just hasn't been the same. This isn't rocket science. He hasn't been that same guy. Um, Philly, man, not only did ben Joel, Joel Embiid go to the locker room in the second quarter, not only was Embiid 0 for 12 from the field in the second half, but Philly blew an 18-point lead. Blew an 18-point lead. I mean, it's a lot of time left in the game. You know, we've seen the bigger the leads are, more than get blown than not. Uh, that's not going to come into play in the next game I talk about. But we've seen that happen. But still, the Hawks scrapped, they fought, and now they have a game five where the series is tied on tomorrow night in Philadelphia. So we'll see what happens. In the first half, Sixers were up 60-42. to Atlanta kept chipping away. Bogdanovich opened the fourth quarter with a three-pointer. They gave Atlanta its first lead of the half, 83-82, and they just hung on from there. They just hung on from there, so we'll see. Uh, as far as Tobias Harris, now he scored 20 points in the last seven consecutive playoff games. He's been their most consistent player for Philadelphia. Joel Embiid has had some monster games, but he's had duds like last night. Maybe not as bad as last night, but he's had some. He's had some. Uh, and in addition to the Hawks, you know, coming back, yeah, they didn't play very well, but they only had four turnovers all night. If you don't turn the ball over, you make the most of your offensive possessions, you give yourself a chance to win, especially if you're knocking down shots strategically. And that's exactly what the Hawks did. So 103-100 win for Atlanta. They have a 2-2 series going into Game 5 against Philadelphia. I mean, against Philadelphia in Philadelphia tomorrow. So we will see how that shakes out. Now, one team that took a big lead and did not relinquish that, the Los Angeles Clippers last night against the Utah Jazz. The Clippers won the game 118-104. But honestly, if you ask me, the game was kind of over in the first period. It, it just was. Um, although the clip, the Clippers came out and really just hit the Jazz in the mouth, the Jazz tried to kind of get back in, but let this let this be like just a, a brief synopsis of for you. The biggest lead for the Clippers was 29. The game wasn't tied at all, ever. It wasn't a tie. The Jazz had an early lead in the game, like 2-0. And that was it. Only one lead change. LA took control, and they didn't let it go. Literally, after the opening stanza, LA controlled the remainder of the game. The remainder of the game. Just went away and took it. At the end of the first quarter, it was 30-13. to 13. And that was the difference. Literally, I wish I could say it was different, but it wasn't. That was the difference. 30-13 LA, if you had said game, set, match, that would have been it. Utah scored 31 points in the second quarter. Okay, that's great. Atlanta scored 38. Then Utah outscored the Clippers over the final two quarters, which was enough to make the final score look just a little bit better. But, I mean, it really wasn't. Hustle plays, just Clippers had more. 12 fast break points. Utah had zero. 21 bench points. Utah had 11. You know, uh, just additional help on the glass, points off turnovers. You look at it, and L.A. had it, and that was it. Kawhi and George led the way. Each of them scored 31 points. 
right? And and they knew that they had to do this. They were the fifth duo since the merger with 30 points each in back-to-back playoff games. It seems that Los Angeles has to be down 2-0 to wake up and go, wait a second, we can do this. Marcus Moore has helped too. 24 points and 5 of 6 on 3. Also, he's missed two threes. He's been 10-12 from 3 since his brother Markeith, you know, from the Lakers, has watched his game. So, that brother connection, which we already knew was a thing, is even more of a thing than we imagined. Insane. Insane. But anyway, uh, yeah, while Santa's dominated all night, Kawhi Leonard had the dunk of the playoffs late in the first half. Got the ball behind the three-point line. He kind of sized up with Royce O'Neal, drove right past him. It was kind of crazy how quick he did it. It stunned me with his quickness and just slammed it all over Derek Favors. That gave the Clippers a 62-38 lead with a minute 24 left in the second quarter. And honestly, just look at the replay of that game, and you can just see that it, 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 it was crazy. It had Donovan Mitchell look shocked. If you look at Nicholas Batumi, had his hands on his head, and he's not even that demonstrative of a player. It was a dunk and a half. Like, he just killed favors. I felt so bad for him. The dunk immediately went viral. Even for, uh, even Joel Embiid paused in the middle of his post-game remarks um, after the 76ers lost to, to comment on that dunk. It was funny. He was like, I'm sure you saw that, but that Kawhi dunk was crazy. That's what he said. And then Kawhi, who doesn't even go on social media at all, said Avita Zubat showed him and Embiid's comments after the game. And then what's funny is that if you look at how <laughs> um, if you look at how Kawhi commented, it was still hilarious to kind of get his mindset on it. It shows you just how little we know about this guy. And I almost like him because of that. He said, in that game and in the heat of the moment, you have to have the mentality. And he's saying that in regards to his dunk. He said, after that, though, Joe Inglis hit a wide open three, so we have, to have, we have a room for improvement. And it was like, wow, okay. Okay. We'll use Kawhi. Anyways, game five, just like Atlanta versus Philadelphia, is going to be Wednesday night, and it's going to be back with the home team holding serve, which is the lamest thing to say. But you know, y'all, I'm, 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 I'm laboring here. Um, Utah will take it back. They won the first two games, and now they have a chance to try to see if they can win a swing game five up in Utah. So I had a chance to look back on the first quarter of the Jazz Clippers game because I was trying to figure out where it went awry. I mean, it didn't seem like Utah was playing that horrible until you looked at the six forced turnovers that the Clippers um, got out of them and the six three-pointers that L.A. knocked down. They had a 19-point lead in that first quarter. That was really it. Jazz didn't make their first three-pointer until the quarter was halfway over. (laughs) Even more than that. It was a minute 34 remaining. Come on, Corbin, do your math. So that didn't help. Also, being 6-21 from the floor wasn't conducive to a Jazz victory. Like I mentioned, Utah did come back, um, at least improved from shooting three. I think they shot 50% from three the rest of the game. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had 37 points. He was the, He's the first player now since Steph Curry in 2019 to have six straight 30-point games. But he needed more help, and it didn't happen. Uh, Joe Ingles had 19 points. Um, Bojan Bogdanovich had 18. But this is the first time the Jazz have lost back-to-back playoff games all year all postseason, rather, and honestly, outside of those two, Jordan Clarkson, who performed very well at home, did not bring his A game to Los Angeles. You'd think he would have some familiarity with the Staples center courts, you know, being a Laker for the beginning of his career, but he had 8 points, 5 rebounds on 3 of 12 shooting and 2 of 8 from 3. Donovan Mitchell, while he did have 37 points, 5 rebounds and 5 assists, the efficiency wasn't super great. 9 of 26 from the field, 6 of 15 from 3. Joe Ingles was spectacular. 19 points, 
77% from the field, 7-9, 5-7 from 3. But again, that wasn't much of an impact on ball. Three rebounds, three assists. Nothing in terms of the assists that he's usually um, capable of doing. Rudy Gobert, 31 minutes, 11 points, 8 boards. He wasn't even a total factor. And it was funny, I was watching this with my pops, and we were like, wow, he's not really the beast that he usually can be around the glass. I think the physicality and extra effort from the Clippers really kind of threw him off for once. At least that's the way it seemed to me, um, watching kind of have, I was just grabbing boards. <laughs> Royce O'Neal, 8 points, you know, 2 with 4 from 3. Now we're looking to him for a major source of offense. And then Bogdanovich actually had a decent game, 50% from the field, Three rebounds, five assists, but he, you know, made some dumb fouls uh, and just seemed altogether out of it. I mean, they just weren't ready. That's kind of what it comes down to. And hopefully some of this home cooking can come back for them in Utah. They can regain some of their edge because they did not have that. And they're in a situation where if they don't have Donovan Mitchell go off the way that he did, I don't think they can hope to reasonably survive this playoff series without Mike Conley unless Donovan Mitchell goes absolutely supernova and he has in Utah but he's been in my mind relatively mortal in Los Angeles yes he's still scoring that's great but it hasn't been anywhere near the same that it was back home so they can go back to that another role player stands out you get another good game from Joe Ingles another strong game from Jordan Clarkson a game we haven't seen since game two Throw that in with the Supernova Donovan Mitchell performance. Get that 3-2 lead. And then worst case scenario, you push it to 7. Best case scenario is sneak a game out at the feared, as Paul George wanted to call it, Staples Center for game 6. But if not, I mean, there's too many holes for the Jazz right now to have to paper over with the loss of Mike Conley. A lot of offensive just control is given to Donovan Mitchell more so than he probably needs at this stage just because he has to initiate and score. Because otherwise, you're looking at Joe Ingles, and that's honestly it for your playmakers on the Jazz. Quinn Snyder made a joke saying, basically, I can't have Rudy Gobert bring the ball up. So it doesn't really matter if Donovan Mitchell is tired because the extra offensive load. He there is he has nowhere else to go. That's it. Jordan Clarkson did play point guard back with the Lakers, but, I mean, obviously it wasn't his role. And he doesn't really have that. And then you're, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for the Utah, seriously. There, there just isn't anything else there. Joe Ingles already does a lot on that end, and you still want to keep his utility as a spot-up shooter, and someone can make plays finishing. So, it's tough for Utah, but that's kind of the key. And hopefully, you can get Conley back, you know, at the end. Uh, Like, I mean, before the end, rather. Hopefully, you can get Conley back, like, game five. Because if you're putting him in game six, you have to think, okay, he sat out for basically two weeks now. What does that look like? Bringing Mike Conley just ice cold on a do or die game and say okay bring us home no and we don't need him to be you know 18 points eight assists mike conley just a guy who can make some shots and keep the um, clippers defense honest that's it but you want to make sure that you can get him if possible you know as safe and as soon as you can just to kind of get him reintegrated to this team against the clippers right now because that's honestly where they're at they're they're, they're kind of in trouble not milwaukee bucks trouble but they're kind of in trouble and speaking of, uh, news came out yesterday that, you know, Kyrie, we already knew was going to be out that sprain, but James Harden is also not going to return. So now we take it to the East, and Milwaukee is sitting in the driver's seat. They play the Nets tonight, 8.30 p.m. on TNT for Game 5, and really it's going to be Kevin Durant by himself. And I don't mean to say that 
to, you know, disregard all the other Brooklyn Nets, you know, Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, you can go down the list with other guys who have played well for Brooklyn this year. You know, that's not at all I'm trying to say. Landry Shaman, I'm sure, is still around. You have guys who can still play. Bruce Brown. <laughs> you have guys who can still play, and you're going to need these performances from these guys if Brooklyn's going to win. But what I mean is you go from a team that had, you know, KD, Harden, and Kyrie, to KD and Kyrie, to just KD. And he had a horrible shooting night last game. 11-28 from the field, 1-8 from three. A lot of that was because of the increased defensive attention. Well, it just got a lot easier for Milwaukee to try to do that against Brooklyn, do that against Durant. And for his part, you know, Durant said, hey, listen, whether or not, you know, those guys are in, my job is to do everything on the floor. That doesn't change. That's the same. But isn't that we, we kind of know that it is and it isn't, you know? More of a scoring load has to be put on you. More of a playmaking load has to be put on you. It's going to be interesting to see how Steve Nash adjusts the rotations with those guys out and who steps up in their absence. That's the thing I'm most curious to watch. Because you have guys on that team who, at least in other spots, you know, in other situations, did come through and have moments. I do trust a guy like a Mike James. Maybe Joe Harris can go off. Jeff Green could give himself a bounce-back performance. Uh, throwback performance, if you will. Landry Shaman's had big games in the past. You know, you need something like that from these other guys. And you need Kevin Durant to have a Kevin Durant game. And even more so. Like, we're talking like 35 points. 35, 8, and 5 would be nice. That, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You know? And can he do that still? I'm not saying, like, oh, he can't go off for big nights. Of course he can. But he's had the luxury of playing with teammates that were definitely able to take pressure off of him. And just know that you can't stop Kevin Durant. My thing is, is he still at the stage where you can't stop Kevin Durant when everyone in that building knows that it's just Kevin Durant's really got to worry about? That's what I'm curious to see. It's going to be fun. I don't think the Nets figured out. I think that, you know, Milwaukee takes this game, and I think they do it semi-comfortably. I do. I'm thinking 10 points or so. But I'm not, I'm not like, hoopball's finest on the betting line. So... Take that with a major grain of salt because it is me, and I have been spotting on my playoff predictions all year long. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just about going to do it here for us. Next week, well, a week from yesterday is the draft lottery. That is going to be really important for a bunch of teams. Uh, I don't think any more so than the Houston Rockets who get to see if they will be drafting in the top four or they will get the 18th pick due to the pick swap that they have with Oklahoma City in the Russell Westbrook trade. There is no in-between on that. You also have the Toronto Raptors, who have a puncher's chance of sneaking their way into the top four. Oklahoma City as well could end up with two lottery picks. So it's getting there. It's almost draft season. It's going to be very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Between the Rockets, Detroit Pistons, and Orlando Magic, one of those teams is going to get that in one pick, or they have the best odds of it. I'm intrigued. Who's going to win those Cade Cunningham sweet stakes? Who's going to do it? I'm going to have some draft guys coming on here over the next couple weeks because we need to get that question answered. Who is Cade Cunningham? I know anybody who watches any basketball, you know, YouTube or otherwise, knows who Cade Cunningham is. But there's guys out there on NBA Twitter, um, guys out there just in general, who make this their business to know. And I want to talk to them about that. But the Rockets, Pistons, and Magic have a 14% chance of getting that number one pick. The Thunder and Cleveland Cavs have an 11% chance of moving up to number one. Then you have Minnesota at number with 9%, the Raptors at 7%, the Bulls at 4.5%, the Kings at 4.5%, and the Pelicans at 4.5%. So it's going to be funny to kind of see what happens. Another question, what happens with the Minnesota pick? 
because uh, the Timberwolves 2021 pick is protected in the top three. It becomes unprotected in 2022. But if it goes outside the top three, guess who it goes to? Golden State. So it could be number four and be Golden State's from the trade that Minnesota made last year where they trade D'Angelo Russell or they acquired D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins that protected the 21 first-round pick and that 2022 second-round pick. So this might come back to bite them immediately. And then for teams like the Rockets and the Thunder, you know, the rebuild begins. This is what the stage of last offseason was set for. The draft right here, the draft lottery right here to see what happens. So, yeah, all I got to say is bring it on. I'm excited to see where this goes, and this happens in less than a week now. Recording, like I said, this Tuesday morning. So, definitely make sure to check it out. We'll talk about it more. Aside from that, y'all, that's going to do it for another edition of Round Ball Ramble. You know where to find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. HoopBallHoop-Ball.com on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Definitely make sure to check that out. Great content. Doesn't stop. The offseason doesn't stop. You literally have the box score breakdown still going on. I mean, there's a bunch of tremendous team podcasts still moving on. Nothing about HoopBall stopped outside of fantasy season. And honestly, all HoopBall's doing is gearing up for next fantasy season. So, just stay tuned, y'all. Big stuff's coming down the horizon. But, um... With that, I'm frosty. I am frosty. It's 112 degrees out here in Arizona, and I am frosty. So y'all, y'all stay frosty. And I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.